0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Arsaholics podcast. It's um, Monday. It's Monday night, and we're not recording on the whistle today. It's been a couple of days since our our win against Southampton. So, a lovely 3 0 win. Um, I've got Aaron with me. It's just him and I today. Hello, Aaron. Hello, mate. How are you? Not bad. Not bad. Bit tired, as you know. So, I am going on holiday tomorrow. So, getting a lot of stuff done. I won't bore everyone with that. We'll go straight into the game because it was a nice, it was nice to get back to a win. Let's just, let's walk us quickly, very, very quickly through the, the, the lineup, which I absolutely had on my screen and now it is gone. Uh, here it is. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, relatively no real surprise in the lineup were there Aaron and apart from one glaring one, which we'll get onto in a second, but you know, we had Aaron Ramsdale, Mm. um, ever present at the moment. Um, that kind of solid back four, Tomiyasu, Ben White, Gabriel retain, retaining his place. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Thomas Partey, Granit Xhaka being the, the central midfielders. And um, obviously Smith-Rowe still declared unfit. So Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli, uh, play Martinelli, you know, I think everyone was happy seeing him get another chance. And Lacazette up front, no Aubameyang. That's obviously a huge talking point And, and we are going to talk about that in detail, but Aside from the over uh, <laughs> omission, um, how did you feel about the lineup, Aaron?
1: Yeah, it was um, it was the same lineup that started against Everton, wasn't it? Pretty much. So, yeah. in terms of the personnel that actually started, yes, yes. Yeah. I, I know there was talk about whether Smith Rowe would come in, and I was kind of hoping he would um, at the start of the game. And you know, to be honest, when I when I first saw the starting lineup, I, I had mixed feelings because. I almost felt like it was like he hadn't reacted after Everton. Hmm. So okay, he's still playing Jacker, He's still playing Partey. He's sticking with Lacazette. But then, you know, I think it was very much a chance to redeem themselves. And um, we'll talk about the game, but I almost felt like we went through that like a journey in terms of the game itself. But no, I mean, I would have liked um, to have seen Smith-Rowe, but if he wasn't fit, he wasn't fit. And then, apart from that, I think the team sort of picks itself.
0: Yeah, let's talk about the you know the, the kind of redemption theme that you, you kind of alluded to. Is that a theme that we're seeing with Arteta? Because I noticed it a few times when when either we have a bad result or a certain player doesn't have a good game, they tend to keep their place at least for the next game anyway we've seen it with Tavares um you know against Liverpool uh we've seen La Conga uh, I think a couple of times uh, I think you know that was the game where he made that mistake and then mm. he was allowed back in the team um and and like you say this is a team that lost against Everton which you know we all thought was arguably our worst defensive worst performance of the season and the whole team has retained is that a feature of Arteta do you think
1: I think it is I just don't know how much of that was the reason why he picked the team. That he did on Saturday, I think a lot of it was down to circumstances and availability of players, because I think if Smith Rowe was fit, Smith Rowe would have played. Then we have the Obamiang situation, which obviously meant that you know you really only have a choice between Lacazette and, and Eddie, and then and that's and then there's a whole Pepe situation <laughs> that's ongoing, and I don't think there was any, ever a chance of Pepe starting. So, so I think the, the team sort of picked himself, but. Uh, you're right. I think there are clear kind of situations where he does let those players get another go, hmm. and um, and I think with these home games, that you know the way the schedule has worked out, you know we've had these tough away games, but they will, we always seem to have a relatively comfortable opponent at home, and you know so far we've been very good at home. So I think it's a nice opportunity to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, let's talk about the game. So, before the first goal, um, and you know, I, I didn't watch the game. I was unable to be there and and, um, and, and couldn't find couldn't find a legal stream to watch it on. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, from all accounts, and you know, it, let me know if you think this is correct. From all accounts, prior to scoring the goal, we weren't very good, were we? No, we were rubbish.
1: <laughs> and why was I, that? I, I I don't know. I think it. I don't know if it was a hangover from the Everton game but it was very much a continuation of that and there were I can think the crowd was kind of nervy the crowd were a bit worried I don't think it was ever a negative vibe as such because I think we've discussed this before but the vibe you get in the ground is very different to the vibe you get on online or on social media Um, in that I think there's fans in the ground, although none of us were there. I think it was quite clear to You can just see that it's not anti-Arteta. It's not anti-Arsenal. It's not, oh, why are you doing this? It's much more patient. It's much more tolerant. But at the same time, you could tell that fans were concerned as to why there was a continuation of the way we played at Everton. So I, I honestly couldn't really tell you why it happened you could argue it's a confidence thing and we'll probably talk about that and how we played after we scored but up until that first goal i think uh ramsdale made a few good saves um i think armstrong had a chance and um you know you could argue that for that first 20 minutes southampton were probably the better team because they were pressing and they you know they they won the ball off us from their their high press a few times and put us under a lot of pressure and um, it wasn't until the first goal that we really kind of did something about it.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that first goal because I, so, I have I have many questions about about this goal, right? So let's. <laughs> so it, it it sounded like. Arteta was really, really encouraging the guys to have faith in in playing out from the back. It mm. sounded like Southampton were pressing really hard, and he was really instructing the guys to you know to be calm. Um, you know, trying to encourage Ramsdale to uh, to not go long. And, and in fairness to Ramsdale, he's a pretty you know cool character. Um, th- the goal comes from us beating a press in. In, in that exact way, right? So, so Ramsdale is is pressed very hard. He makes a pass which looks like it's you know a fraction of a second just just mm. on time, and suddenly a series of, of of press beating passes at various angles looks completely rehearsed. Looks looks completely intentional in in every kind of decision. Um, leads in us getting right up the pitch. Saka putting the ball across and Lacazette scoring an absolutely. What what's the word for it? Just con- a real goal of conviction. Bang it's like a really nice finish. A really nice
1: finish. Talk
0: me through that. I mean, like It, it was
1: yeah. yeah, I think my biggest surprise was it was very much out of nowhere. Mm. <laughs> and even watching this, because like I said, we were really bad for the first twenty minutes. The passing was slow and then Southampton did put us under a bit of pressure and it was yeah, that, you know, that you've seen it before, that high risk passing out of the back where they leave it to the last minute to play that pass. And then um, all of a sudden the the ball went out to, I think it was Tommy Asu. And and then it just, you know, like with a click, everything just changed. And it's just like they were possessed. And then it was pinpoint rapid passing um, to a number of players. And then all of a sudden Saka was in and we'd taken about seven or eight of the Southampton players out of the game. And, I think, I think Southampton were just shocked as to where it came from because they were like, oh, "This you haven't been doing this for the first twenty minutes," and then bang, all of a sudden, Saka's in, and then um, I don't think he, you know, he he got in, and then I think he was up against Ward Prowse, and he had the beating of Ward Prowse, and he just played the perfect pass in to Lacazette, and it was just the perfect finish, that one time finish into the top corner, you know, and it was just a really really good goal, but. Again, if I haven't said it already, I was just very, very surprised as to just how out of the blue that pinpoint passing, especially like in playing out the back, we've seen it a few times, right? But Mm. I think what often happens is we do that initial phase of playing it out, get it to either into midfield or get it to the fullbacks, and then it suddenly slows down again. But here it just got faster and faster. and everything worked out really well and it was it was a lovely goal i think i've watched it about seven or eight times since yeah it's interesting it's interesting that a goal of such beauty and its build up
0: it still requires an excellent finish doesn't it um, and it feels like that's something that we've been lacking recently that that finish and i think it just goes to show how important it is uh, a question i had for you mate i was really ref- i was really reflecting on this but when i saw the goal cast your mind back almost close your eyes if you will cast your mind back to when arteta first took over and it felt like one of the things that he was doing with the squad that he inherited was to say all right i'm going to get you comfortable with beating the press and mm. if you remember that cup run we scored a goal beating the press against man city yeah. um and then if you if we kind of then cast forward just kind of to the um to the summer we played the charity shield and community shield whatever you call it i remember we scored a lovely goal beating the press against Liverpool, which Aubameyang scored. We scored a lovely goal in the first game of the season against Fulham. It was the the third goal, which Aubameyang scored. And it was, again, it was almost like a carbon copy of that Liverpool goal in the community shield. It was beating the press, bang, 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 bang. bang. My my question for you is, that kind of goal was happening very early in Arteta's reign. Now, he's had a couple of seasons. He's got his own players in. And that's suddenly happening less frequently, it feels. Um, Why is that? Yeah, that's a
1: that's a really good question. I think I think we've struggled to find the balance between defensive stability and you know playing well and feeding our front three players at the right time and transitioning quickly. Hmm. So when it when it works it obviously looks quite well and I think that that early part of the season we you know I don't think the the defensive players weren't really there. But you could argue that Aubameyang was in far better form. Hmm. We were getting the ball to the front three a lot quicker. But, and it was just a case of them taking their chances. And now the opposite has sort of happened, where I feel like we're confident at the back and we're really confident getting it out of kind of the back four into midfield. But after that, for a number of reasons, the fact that I don't think the midfield is always transitioning correctly and the fact that when the front three get the ball... They're really wasteful and really um, just slow in creating meaningful chances. I, I feel like that that balance has shifted. So, and I, and then I, I I do honestly think that a lot of it is confidence. I think when you give these players the confidence that they can do this stuff, they they do it really well and they try it and try it. And the reality is, they will get caught a few times. And I think that's happened if like. In a few few instances, perhaps we haven't been punished as much, but they will lose the ball. Ramsdale will give it away at some point this season. Gabriel or Ben White will give the ball away to a a striker who's just going to lay it off and score. That is the you know the downside to this risk. But the idea is that hopefully, by beating the press and by doing it, we'll do we'll, we'll put ourselves in enough of a you know positive position going forward that it. It doesn't really matter if we lose it once, for example, because you watch that goal when Saka was in, when Saka was played in, I think it was, you know, there was three players left and it went from a goal kick to Saka being in behind, you know, eight of their players taken out of the game. Mm. And it was just so nice to watch. And you just think, well, if we can do that, then, and we can do it more often then you will really get behind this team and their ability to go and win points.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's and I wonder—I wonder whether part of, one of the other reasons why I thought it might be happening is it—is it—is it? Do you think it could be a case where teams now know that that's a feature of what an Arteta team wants to do, and then they prepare for it more? Whereas at the beginning, they perhaps didn't didn't really know about it. And is—is it—is it just a byproduct of people just studying us more
1: and, and understanding what they need to do to stop us scoring? Possibly, but there've been loads of games this season and last season where you know we were getting pressed and just not, not beating it. Mm. And I think a lot of it is down to just like, I mean, like, I think there is a, there isn't an argument to say, well, what happens if a team doesn't press and they sit back, for example, and that we require different players, different systems, different attacking patterns of play. But the team, there have been plenty of examples this season where, you know, I think I remember the Brighton game, for example, where Brighton really pressed us and we just had no, um, no response to their press. And if we had beaten their press, maybe we would have got a result. But there have been yeah loads of times where we just haven't had that confidence to take on the, the press and just show ourselves and assert ourselves in the game. And I think that goal came at the perfect time because it just gave us a huge confidence boost in terms of, OK, well, this is the way we want to play. And if we get it right, we will score goals. And you could see how much it meant to the players. I don't know if you saw Aaron Ramsdale's celebration. Yeah. The new side of that it. first goal, he absolutely went mental because I think it was just, you know, like validation for yeah,
0: real vindication.
1: Yeah the, yeah. the, the way we play and if we get it right, what, what it will mean. And, you know, we, we have a young team and I think belief and that mental side of things is, is a huge, huge aspect of their development and their, something that they're going to have to get better at
0: really, really good point mate and, and and i think that's evidenced by the fact that we then score two three minutes afterwards right you know yeah. from, a, from a period of just like you say a bit of a lull a bit of a you know lack of bite suddenly you score suddenly everyone's lifted and then with minutes you know we, we, we're doubling up on it let's talk about that goal because it's very different it wasn't necessarily a thing of beauty was it it was um it was you know it was a, a headed goal in the end from odegaard which is allegedly his first headed goal of his career yeah, i heard yeah. Wow. You know, we're not talking about like a 10 yard header here or anything like that. You know, this was really, really as arguably straightforward as they come. But, but the, I, the, I did think there were some good things about that goal. I think namely, you know, getting numbers in the box to, you know, because yeah, exactly. okay, if, like if he was going to miss that, there was someone else who was waiting to, to to make the header as well. Wasn't Wasn't
1: there? Yeah. Yeah. You're spot on. I think just the fact that, okay, well we, we do have a problem with our strikers perhaps not, being as clinical or not taking the chances. But the one way to compensate for that is to have midfielders that score goals. Mm. And um, the way our midfielders are going to score goals is by getting into attacking positions in the box when we have players like Tierney putting that service in. And um, yeah, it just I think it was just a case of like, well, if you get into the box, then these chances will come your way. And then if you do have the ability to finish, which, and it was a really good header, that he took it will it will work out really well for us and I don't think we do it anywhere near enough and I think the one way one way out of this striker situation that I'm sure we'll talk about later on is actually for our midfielders to step up and chip in with goals and that's I think his fourth goal now is that right? I think this is fourth goes third in a row. Yeah. You know, like I say, you know, all, all, all great strikers can score right foot, left foot
0: headers and, and look at him. He scored three nasty three goals, right foot, left foot header. I mean Yeah. Do
1: you need a let's just play Odegaard up front. I mean <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he's always been I think I remember even last season, he always gets into sort of good positions, yeah. I feel. Um even I think uh was it Old Trafford or Everton where he, he had a chance and then it was on his right foot and he didn't take it because he tried to cut in mm-hmm. against his left. But he always gets into these semi-decent positions, but has, has kind of lacked the finish. And I think over the last couple of games, he's just started taking some of these chances and he could probably get a few more actually, when you think about it in terms of the positions he gets into and the talent he has. So alongside, you know, when you look at him getting four goals and I think Smith Rowe's probably got a similar number of goals. Yeah. Um, you know, when was the last time we had a midfielder at Arsenal actually get more than you know, four or five goals a season? Yeah, like an Aaron Ramsey you know, not season. Ramsey. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, so, yeah, we absolutely need these guys chipping in with goals. And I'm really happy because he, he had a bit of a quiet start to the season. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's been in and out of the team. And it just looks like he's found a bit of confidence now. And I really hope he can go on because I thought he was awesome. Yes, um, on Saturday.
0: Definitely. Again, I think you know he's been a real shining light. I think that um the one consistent thing that he's done this season, even when he hasn't been scoring, is that off the ball work. I feel like he's a real leader in that way. He works so hard. He presses hard. He shouts at everyone. um And it, and it's a, and it's weird because you know he's he's probably seen as a, a bit of an Ozil, Fabregas assist maker, mm. and those haven't really been coming. And and uh, is it his fault? I'm not sure. Is it the fault of people? strikers or people not running but he's compensating for it with goals somehow and and, you know it's uh, it's really encouraging to to see as as you say um so so it's two it's two nil at this point Arsenal seem very much in control and it felt like there were a whole heap of opportunities to get that third goal before it eventually did come from a set piece did you feel like really this was just a a case of two goals bringing so much confidence and the team were just then free-flowing and was Southampton a bit shell-shocked
1: yeah because you could almost argue that at 2-0, we probably took the only two chances that came our way. I think maybe Lacazette had a chance in the first half as well. But, but in the second half, honestly, I thought there was a period for about 15 minutes where I thought we played some of the best attacking... Well, we were the most dominant I'd seen Arsenal in about two years. Oh, wow. Um, because there was... It was just constant relentless pressure and yeah I think it, you probably have to look back to the Arsenea days where we were 2-0 no up and we we're just cruising and we just pin a team back and just pass the ball around the box wait for a chance create a chance and um we probably should have won that game about four or five nil because Gabriel scored but before that he had a, a header disallowed um which was I think rightful offside but I think there was a period where I think Saka hit the post maybe Martinelli hit the post mm-hmm. uh Someone else had a, another save to make where uh, I think it was Tommy Assi had a save to make against... I mean, Tommy Assi forced a save uh, from their keeper. And um, it was just constant, relentless pressure for 10 to 15 minutes. And, you know, the, the feeling was like, where has this been yeah. <laughs> for the last two years? Because and wh- where has this come from when you look at this team and how they, you know, almost bullied Southampton because we were better than them. And I was just thinking, why couldn't we do this against Everton? You know, I you could argue that Everton are probably a worse team than Southampton right now. Especially you see them at, you yeah, know, they lost to the Palace on Saturday or Sunday. And um, yeah, we go away to Everton. We look nowhere near as good. And um, yeah, here we are just passing the ball, creating chances against uh, a similar level team at, at home.
0: And it it is an interesting one, though, isn't it? Because you know you're talking about Everton. I think we were the first win that they've had in ten games, right? You know, they've they've just the the only win they've had in their last ten. I mean, it's terrible. Um, But that being said, they are still ahead of Southampton in the in the league. Southampton haven't been great, yeah. So they've they've got they've still managed to get two more points than Southampton in the league. Southampton are currently in sixteenth. Uh, so you know, playing devil's advocate, couldn't someone turn around and say, "Yeah, well, it's all well and good, Arsenal are able to put in this kind of performance against a team like Southampton at home. Um, it's the it's the away it's the away woes that
1: continue." Yeah, to no, that's that, that's fair. I think, but I think my the reason I was quite. Pleased with that is we haven't been really putting in yeah. these kind of top level attacking performances yet. I mean, where we completely dominate a team for you know almost an entire half. Agree with there that. are always periods. You know, there's this theme where people said, okay, when uh, Arsenal go one 0 up, they sit back and and you know almost concede or invite the opposition on. And, yeah, I felt that was a bit harsh, but there were definitely examples of that in our last four or five games where we go up, go in front, and then just. Are afraid of losing. So we invite the pressure on, but this, this was really good. Um, and I really hope it's a sign of things starting to click more frequently because I think if you look at the last two days, I mean, two games, I think you've seen the best and the worst of this Arsenal team and this manager. It's a good point. And, and, you know, I think after, after Everton, we were already disappointed. The doubts were creeping in. We're saying, what is, you know, has a manager cost us the game? You know what? What were the substitutions like? Football's dire, and then today—I mean, I'm sorry—on Saturday it was the complete opposite. The football was pretty good. We scored some really good goals. You know, even the substitutions were were better. I thought. So yeah, I mean, well, why do you why do you think that there's such a big difference between our home form and away form against two you could argue comparable teams?
0: Partly. Um, okay, so so sorry, to to the latter specific point about them being two comparable teams, that, that's a difficult one to answer. Uh, uh, what, what, if I can just, I guess what I was going to say before that is, I wonder if part of it is, the classic kind of teams are better at home than they are away. So there's a little mm-hmm. bit of a, an element of you know your home ground, your you know whatever. Um, but also, I think if you look at the breakdown of our fixtures, home versus away, you could probably argue that the home games have been more straightforward than than the away games that we've had this season overall. Um, yeah. So I think that that might be one. Um, you know, in these two games that have just gone. I think it's relatively inexplicable in the sense that I, I still can't quite put my finger on why we were that bad against Everton um and you know I don't want to revisit that um but mm-hmm. it feels like it was just one hell of a you know a terrible performance um but mate like you know there was a third goal and and this is something that we have been doing well all season which is being a threat from set pieces so Gabriel um you know he's he's actually already scored a a, a goal that was disallowed um, yeah. very shortly you know before it, the, the the actual goal but then Martinelli puts in a corner and um and he just puts in a neat header and it's uh, and it's 3-0 so that's Three goals for Gabriel. He's he's outscoring Harry Kane in the Premier League this season. Um, <laughs> That's
1: a great stat. I know he's yeah, I mean, happy. Yeah. geez, come I mean, who isn't to be
0: fair? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, you, Gabriel, hit, uh, you know, good header. Um, really happy for the guy. You know, it was it was it was kind of covered on, on Arsenal Twitter about how um, he's uh, he found out that his his wife was pregnant, and there was a nice video that was going viral on, on Arsenal yeah. Twitter, and then and then you saw his celebration with the ball and and the team really behind him. But it was a really nice 3-0 moment wasn't
1: it yeah yeah i mean i don't know how often we have gone 3-0 up in a game i think it was a lot of that was just relief on the team from the team that actually okay we've, we've actually killed off a game yeah yeah and it it was fully deserved and i think after that we probably should have scored a few more like i said but just this mental kind of weight lifted to say actually okay well we've played well here and we've taken our chances, and now we're probably going to leave here with the three points. And I yeah. think after the 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 last two games, you could just see the relief. And then, just genuinely, a lot of the players just seemed really happy for Gabriel, and um, it just looked like a, a really you know a, a bunch of lads who just seemed very together, yeah. which was really nice to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely, mate. So um, you know, there's a, there's clearly a group of guys that are really together. There's someone who wasn't with them in this game um <laughs> and i think it's time that we address the um the Mbamyang in the room to be honest right
1: i mean that was a, that was a beautiful transition by the way
0: yeah yeah there you go i work, <laughs> I work on these i train on them yeah no. um so oba is uh wow okay so let, let's just let's just go over the facts as we know it um uh so you know on on the day um arteta says that oba is not in the starting lineup and he um offers the reason as that it's a disciplinary breach he said he's, he's dropped for disciplinary reasons he doesn't expand on it but he says it's for disciplinary reasons um it, that in itself could you t- 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 talk to talk how do you feel about that because people have been divided about that about even whether if if there is a disciplinary issue it doesn't matter who it is captain you know youth player the manager shouldn't say that a player is out for a disciplinary issue what what do you think about that
1: um i think I just think in in this day and age, I think he was probably trying to get ahead of the story, mm-hmm. in the sense that, like, and I'm sure we'll talk about this. The story came out today as to why he was yeah. was it today or even yesterday about why he was uh, not present. But having you know, if he had lied about it, for example, if he said he was injured, and then it came out that actually no, he was facing a disciplinary issue, and that's why he wasn't in the team. I think it almost. Makes Arteta to look even worse. So no, I don't have any any issue. I know, like back in the in the Wenger days, I don't think you know you could like I don't think Wenger ever said oh, this player is out for a disciplinary disciplinary issue. No. And maybe he probably lied and covered it up. Oh, with, yeah,
0: thing. with the likes of Bednar yeah. and Chesney, you know, he, yeah, yeah oh, all course. that Chesney stuff. Yeah, yeah of
1: yeah. course. Um, and but I. I feel like it, you know, even the Chesley stuff, it came out that, you know, he was in trouble when he was smoked in the, in the showers, for example. And I, I feel like he, I mean, maybe there is an element of Arteta wanting to be seen as this big man in charge, but I do think it's actually probably the sensible strategy for when a player does do something wrong, just be transparent about it because, because why not? I don't think it's I don't think it's a big deal.
0: I think you're right. I think you're damned if you do, damned if you don't as well, right? I think when you're a relatively inexperienced manager and if you if the press hear that you've got, you know, players who are, you know, doing breaking disciplinary, you know, having breaches and turning up late for things, etc. They'll, they'll be quite quick to jump on you and try, and try and act like you haven't got control of your squad. It's perhaps easier if you're a Venger, if you're a Fergie. No one's really yeah. going to question you, are they? You know, they know that you know what they're doing. Um, but I can say, so let's, you know, so the case itself is allegedly, allegedly what's happened here is that Obamiang has gone to visit his mum in, in Paris. Um, it, it, oh, I believe it's Paris. Um, he's gone there. That's been approved. The club have said, yes, that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. And he's, uh, he had agreed to, fly back i think that evening or the next evening or something like that basically at, on an evening he had he had agreed to fly back and seemingly what's happened is he has not flown back on the agreed evening he's waited till the next morning to fly back um apparently he still made training um he still made the the next training session that was scheduled however there was covid breach protocol there was covid protocol that was impacted by the fact that he was late yeah. and uh, and therefore And that's basically, it seems like that's all we know, right? There's nothing, is there anything I've missed there in terms of the facts of what we know? No, I think that's a fairly
1: accurate summary, yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's what David Ornstein, I believe, has said. Now, hearing all that, again, I've seen some people on Arsenal Twitter say, oh, come on, he's visiting his mum, and he's he's back the next morning, and he still made training. So what if he didn't
1: make uh, the flight the night before? Uh, Are you sympathetic to that? I'm... I wouldn't say I'm sympathetic, but having heard the, I guess you could say the level of disciplinary breach, I'm actually a bit relieved that it's not anything worse Mm -hmm. in that you, when I, when I first heard, okay, he's been dropped for a disciplinary breach. I was like, oh no, what, what's he done? Because I think you have to look at this breach and the reason there's so much noise about it is because it's coming at a time where his form isn't what it was Mm -hmm. and he's been in and out of the team and there was a whole issue that we talked about in depth where he wasn't brought on, he was on the bench, and then he wasn't brought on before Eddie was. Was that against Everton? Yeah, Yeah. that was against Everton, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And in that context where you then say, okay, the next game he's done something mysterious to be dropped from the squad completely, your mind probably goes off on all sorts of, Um, thoughts and conspiracy theories in that sense and actually having heard that where you know he went to France but he had permission and then it was just a case of yeah he was back but he was back late I think it's a disciplinary issue and I think especially in this current climate where these small travel things can spiral into bigger COVID issues I think I would argue that the club are probably right to discipline him And I think the real question is now, like, how has he reacted to this? How has he taken this? And what's, you know, how does he respond from here? But um, no, I think the club have every right to say, well, if you're back on, you come back on this time. Because at, at this level, when you're elite athletes, you know, the travel, getting on flights, you know, moving around COVID, all this stuff is, you know, even the smallest things have like potential big consequences. Yeah. And it's all um, taking care of f- People take care yeah. of it for you as well. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can get a private jet. It's Paris. Just come back and just do what you're told when you've been given dispensation to go and be with your family. Um, so he has every right to say, look, I want to go and spend time with my family for whatever reason. Um, but then when you are given that, that flexibility, I feel like you should respect it and just come back when you're supposed to. So I think, you know, if he's, I think the the real question is, how has he taken it? If he said, like, oh, you're out of order for disciplining me, like, I'm embarrassed, um, my d- name's been dragged through the press for this, um, and he's going to sulk, that's one thing. But if he said, look, I, I was late coming back, fair enough, my fault, I'll take my punishment and then crack on, mm. then I'm kind of okay with it. But I think... I don't know about you, but I I feel like there's been a bit of an overreaction to this to a certain extent because some people are saying he's going to be stripped of the captaincy. Who our next captain should be? What well, what do you think? What is the what is the feeling that? Um, I think there's a lot that muddies this a little bit. I think
0: um, this is the second time under Arteta that this has happened right you know this is the second time that he's been openly dropped for a disciplinary reason the first for so the first one the Spurs Spurs right? last season yeah. when again uh, dropped lack of play this season work. right uh, no no it's last season so it's last season last okay. season yeah yeah, yeah. yeah okay because yeah. he because he he, he he scored this season oh uh, yeah 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 okay so last yeah. season um he he turned up late apparently for the game i think that's what it was i think he was late for the game and he was dropped on the day that's what it sounded like so it's the second time that he's been openly dropped for being late in some way and 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 for and you know whether it's leaked and whether this is true you know what we heard around that time when that happened was that there was something pervasive and he had been warned previously for being late to training and just being a bit tardy and it's quite interesting right because if you recall Jürgen Klopp gave that interview a little while back where he talked about Ober and he basically made, he made, he made sort of jest of it and he sort of said, like, you know, he is the sort of guy that you, he, you'll probably turn up late for training every now and again and come up with like some kind of bizarre excuse, but it's just Ober and it's, you know, and he, yeah, he's, yeah. he's going to deliver and whatever. And so there's this, um, so I think all this muddies it a bit for me because on one hand I'm looking at it and I go, well, hang on, hang on, you're club captain mate. Whether you like mm. it or not, and I presume you like it, you know, you didn't have to take the job, but you're club captain. And I think that you have to set an example as club captain. And and for basic things like turning up on time and following instructions, I think these are sort of non-negotiables, as, as Arteta puts it. And he has to have his captain um, you know, he has to have his captain set an example. And clearly this isn't the first time that's happened. So for me, um, you know, that that that's kind of one big thing. But but then on the flip side. I then come to something that you were talking about around the seriousness of this. You know, I mean, you're saying that, you know, you're kind of, it makes you feel better that it doesn't sound like this was that serious or not. The only thing that concerns me with that is, because I agree with you, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like it's the biggest breach. And, mm-hmm. and I wonder, I'm being cynical here, has Arteta got himself in a situation where you know, Oba's not performing. Um, he, he's, he's sort of thinking about transitioning away from Oba Ober, and Oba's giving him a little bit more of a problem than he would like. And he's looking for a reason
1: perhaps. Mm. To- I think that was a, that's the, I don't want to say conspiracy theory, but I've seen suggestions where people say, okay, well, is this another potential Ozil situation mm. where he's now going to be frozen out of this team and, you know, almost managed out." I I don't think, I could be wrong, I, don't, I have no evidence to suggest otherwise, but I, I don't think it is. I think this is a simple, a relatively simple case of, okay, this is a dude who is really bad with his punctuality <laughs> and is, like you said, should be, like like any player, it shouldn't be, like, turning up late for training or turning up on the wrong day when you've been granted dispensation for getting back. You get back on time. And uh, and it sounds like Arteta has these relatively high standards. And he is saying, well, look, this is enough is enough. You need to. And I think the added complication is the, this whole COVID and quarantine thing. I don't know what impact that has on, you know, does he have to isolate for an, an extra day, for example? Does it, does it mean like he didn't get his COVID test done in time or something like that? Yeah. Where I think under this climate where things are getting worse with COVID, I think the club are just taking it seriously. And I think that, you know, the real question is what will happen with West Ham and, and, you know, how does he respond? And because of the fact that he's, if he, you know, I think Spurs was different because I believe Aubameyang was pretty much starting every game. Right. And then he was out of the team, but then the next game, he was back in the team. Yeah. Now against West Ham, if he's not back in the team, we're not going to know if that's because of his performance or because of his disciplinary issues. And, you know has he then started sulking and has he not turned up in training and that that is a hard part so so yeah let's see but i think on the, on the captaincy i've all, i've always actually felt that abameyang was a terrible choice of captain <laughs> um and that it was a huge huge mistake giving him the captaincy
0: well it was an accident it was a it was a decision that was forced in some ways because right? of
1: Jacko, because of right? the incident, yeah. and it was, it was during Emery's time. Yeah. And yeah. I think that definitely added a lot of pressure to Aubameyang, which I don't think he could ever really handle. And he's never really stepped up to this role of captain in the club. And, and I've seen a lot of people say that, Oh, like the captaincy doesn't matter in the modern game. It's um, people have an old fashioned attitude to the captaincy, but I still think it, it matters mm. in that, And I think I've I've always felt that you know I've kind of had a bit of sympathy because people have said oh Arsenal doesn't have don't have a captain they don't have leaders and I've said you know previously that that's okay because I don't think we need leaders as a captain but I think with this young team I think this young team is crying out for like a Vincent Company or a Patrick Vieira style captain to when for when things go tough they can just stand up and actually say, right no this is not acceptable and I'm going to turn this around myself. And I don't think Aubameyang is that player. I don't think we have that many leaders in this team anymore, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, do you, do you, do you, I guess I'll challenge you on that. Do you, do you think that, because I, when
0: as soon as you said it, as soon as you said this this team is crying out for a company, Vieira, I completely agree with you. I completely see I completely see where you're coming from that. And I was thinking, oh, who can do that? I was thinking Thomas Partey. I was like, bloody hell. Like, I, I don't know if I want that guy leading the team. No, yeah, the exactly. Way he's playing. Um, but there are, there are players in this squad that it f- feels to me that are genuine leaders. They're just very young still. You know, I look
1: well, at... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think there aren't many um, like extroverted players in this team, mm-hmm. I don't think. You look at like Smith, Rowe, Saka. They're not stand-up and be counted captains where they can rally their troops. Like, Tomi is definitely not that player. Even, I'd say, Gabriel, Benoit, even Tierney to a certain extent, there have been times, and again, some of this is might be because they're relatively young, where they just don't feel like they have that experience to step up and be counted. I think the only player that really shows it is Ramsdale, mm. and maybe Lacazette to a certain certain extent. Um, and we've talked about this before, which is like, okay, when when a player gets kicked or when a player gets fouled, nothing happens because there's no one there to really like go to the ref and just make our case heard. Um, and and certainly like Aubameyang isn't. Uh, an outgoing kind of fiery extroverted guy he's another one that just wants to get on and just play the game and do his bit and he'll you know he'll step up when he scores but yeah i i'm sure we can discuss this again in a future episode but i really think that whoever we go and sign now will have to have this kind of extroverted leadership quality when they come into this team
0: yeah i agree so i agree with you i think well, this is definitely going to come going to come up in the future. But just how you feel now? Are you angry with Aubameyang?
1: Not not in the in the way that I am. Like I feel like he should be stripped of the captaincy, or he should be like done at Arsenal, for example. Because there were a few hot takes where people like that said Aubameyang's done at this club. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think he. I mean, depending on how he reacts, if he just you know takes his punishment and says, "Okay, well, I messed up." I'm going to just carry on, play my football and get back into the team and score lots of goals. I think I'll be fine. Um, so no, I'm not like given we've heard what we've heard and the, the scale of like things you can do wrong. I think this is a relatively minor breach and I think it's been handled. You know, it'd be, I think it'd be different if we gave him a five game ban for this, for example, we said, you're not going to play for five games. Then I'd say, okay, well, this is a disproportionate reaction. Yeah, I think a one, a one game, you know, one game out of the team, when we're at home to Southampton, where he probably wouldn't have played anyway, potentially. I think okay, let's just draw a line under it and move on. I suppose well, I hope both parties can move on now.
0: Yeah, that's if I can say it. The- the bit that's annoying is obviously we don't, we don't know everything. Like say, So no. I, I always, you know, I, this comes back to some of the conversations we we're having about the Ozil saga. How do we know about some of the things that have been said behind closed doors? How do we mm. know that Arteta didn't say to Oba, listen, mate, why didn't you turn up? You know, why didn't you get the earlier flight? Like, you always do this. And Oba's just gone, oh, F off you, you, you S. You know, yeah. I've had enough of you. you. You're this, that, and the other. Like, you know, you've got it in for me or something. And then, and then Arteta's
1: had to react because of that. We don't know that. No, exactly, and we—that's why I'm saying. I'm assuming he's taken it, and yeah, you know, everything has been fed If he deals with it, but if he goes and sulks and says, "Actually, well, I'm just gonna not train properly now because I'm fed up with this manager," and, and almost lead a bit of try and lead a bit of a rebellion against the manager, like uh, like Ozil probably tried to do, you know, against um, against him, then it. I will be angry. I will be disappointed. And then you could say, well, there is a case for him to be stripped of the captaincy and us to find a new captain. But I I think it's just a distraction that we don't need. And I hope he kind of just sits down and shuts up.
0: It, it, it's interesting for the ober Lacazette dynamic, isn't it? Because they're obviously like such good friends. You know, you always see, you always hear about them being such good friends. But ultimately, Ober not being in the team helps Lacazette get in the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, like, um, it's really I find that dynamic of that that uh, that faction quite interesting because similarly, the last time that Oba was dropped against Tottenham, um, Lacazette started and scored, and you know mm. we, we won both these times that he's been dropped, and that definitely helps Arteta. You know, when you when you when you win after the players drop, but um, yeah, look, like you, I mean, I'm really intrigued to see how this plays out. I, I agree with you that I think it's an overreaction for people to start saying that he should be stripped of the captaincy because pure. Purely for no, for no other reason. Where do you go from that in the middle of a season? We're in December. Yeah. If you strip your captain of, of his armband, that really puts a squad into a very weird place in the middle of the season, and yeah. you just don't want to deal with that.
1: Yeah, and like we've had that with the Jacka situation, where, um, you know, like you, you compare what Jacka did and what Abamyang did. Hmm. They're like, in terms of like significance, they're yeah miles apart, and. We don't need that noise. And and then there's a the whole question of who do you give it to? And it's just a debate that doesn't need to happen. I think, like I said, it was a mistake to give him the captaincy in the first place. But now he's there. I think the only time you can really take it off him is maybe in the summer. Um, Potentially, if he goes, who knows?
0: Yeah completely agree okay so i'm sure it's a topic that we'll revisit and i wonder if we'll revisit it after the west ham game because it'll depend on you know depending on whether he's playing or not if he's still dropped let's talk about that west ham game um so we have a game coming up well do you know what to be honest the rate at which people are getting covid in these squads and the rate (laughs) at which actually do you know what let me let me say something for now right This, this has been mentioned somewhat but am i being Am I being a conspiracy theorist when I say, you know, the, I think the first three teams that started making loud sounds recently about COVID outbreaks, we need to cancel our games, whatever were Tottenham, Villa, mm. and Man United, right? All three teams who have got relatively new managers, okay? Am I being a conspiracy theorist to think that this is a bit of a ploy to just get more time for managers to spend with their players? <laughs> There's three, three teams, three new managers, and they're making a big song and dance about this. Uh,
1: yeah, I think you are. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. All right,
0: that, uh, put me in my I box, the think... next topic. <laughs> yeah.
1: in that, I think, look, I'm not going to defend Tottenham, but their their training ground has been closed, right? Right. Oh, okay, and fair enough. I Yeah. I don't I mean there there are elaborate ploys to get get more time on the training ground, but closing your training ground probably isn't one of them. Yeah, that's um, a good point. <laughs> so I mean I'm all for it. I love a good conspiracy theory. Um, especially when it involves Tottenham or Man United. But But the devil's in the detail here. <laughs> yeah. I mean it, there are probably unintended consequences. Like, you know, Spurs have had that game called off now. It might get played at a time which is more beneficial to them, who knows? Yeah. Or it might get played in the midweek between two big games you you don't know i do feel that it was a bit harsh however to not give us that benefit when we were completely decimated by covid at the start of the season against brentford Mm. um because it sounds by all the sounds like when you hear the reports it just sounds like our team was completely screwed in terms of we had two or three players drop out or having to isolate at the start of the season because of covid and Actually, I think the only reason the Premier League probably didn't do it is because we were literally the first game of the season. I they completely, didn't wanna, agree. completely agree, they didn't want to postpone the first game of the season. I, I, Whereas, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, I'm a bit annoyed about that, but I know you could argue they are getting favorable treatment because you know, maybe, uh, yeah, I honestly, if we had probably three or four players out, it, who's you know, who's to say the Premier League might have said, no, you guys still have to play again? Um, yeah, so there's that, but yeah but you're right like i, I wouldn't go further than that <laughs> fine so let's
0: assume the game goes ahead yeah. and we have uh, a game at home against west ham on uh wednesday yes it's a bit of a weird one isn't it so west ham right let's put the, let's put the context around this west ham surprise package of the season somewhat you could say although they, they, they were okay last season um but they do sit sit nicely in fourth. i think that surprised a lot of people the way that they've been able to sustain that they beat chelsea um it's um it's been a very interesting season and, and you've got a manager who's very experienced and he's got a team that mm. are defending pretty well and they attack pretty well um that you know the numbers are okay in both those departments um mm. now it is it is the interesting thing though i suppose that you know kind of makes this makes it look like it's a game that we we should be winning which is it surprised me to 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 realize that you know we have picked up more points in our last five games than west ham Oh, really? Yeah. West Ham have only won one game in their last five. They've lost two, they've drawn two, and they've won one. That was against Chelsea. Ah, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think... Yeah, that that Chelsea game was really a big win for them, but then you look at the way they won that game. Was it... I can't remember who scored that final goal. Was it Masawaku, maybe? I can't remember. Um, Uh, Where um, it was a bit of a fluky goal. Yeah. Yeah. But in terms of just like what it did for at least an external perception of how West Ham are doing was that actually, okay, well, we need to take notice of West Ham now. Mm. I mean, I mean, people were already taking notice, but I think the, the kind of the thought was actually maybe they'll fall away a little bit and they're not really challenges for top four. But, you know, that win was like, okay, well, they have the ability on their day to go and beat a lot of big teams and they, they beat Liverpool as well. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm making that up. Or oh, so, at least, to, or maybe they did. Was it draw? I can't remember, but yeah. Uh, and, um, and yeah, West Ham, I mean, they've, they have dropped a level. Um, like Antonio hasn't scored for a, a while. Yeah. Um, and they've started conceding a few more goals, but we, I mean, this is, I think this is a really big game. Huge. And I think if West Ham can beat us, that will really set them set them up this christmas period and i think people they will then start to believe that they can do this so i think it's it's really important for us almost psychologically i think it's way more than 3 points because i think for us it will be okay well this is another home game with a team that you know at least historically a team that we should be beating um but i think for us it, it's a real opportunity to almost especially with West Ham dropping points this weekend to almost say, actually to give West Ham a bit of a reality check. Whereas if they can get a a win or even, even a draw, I think that will then make them feel that even when they're not playing well, if they can go away to Arsenal and get a result, that for them will be huge for them.
0: Agreed. I I mean, it, it's a it's a game which will be intriguing to see how the managers pan out, uh, play out. You know, Arteta knows David Moyes so well, having played for him for such a long period yeah, of time. Of course. You know, long, long, yeah. long period of time. Uh, it's impossible to think that Arteta won't try and look into that in terms, tap into that knowledge. Um, it's also that West Ham seem to be a team that have a fairly in- interesting yet basic set of formula, right? Like it's not, mm-hmm. it's not like they, um, they do anything which you watch and you you you, you know your, your mind boggles as to kind of the intricacy of various things <laughs> that they're doing they get the ball pretty they get the ball forward pretty fast and they use antonio really really well um and they play some really interesting diagonals and um and and you know they 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 look to i was about to say um I was, I was about to say they played the percentages. I, I think that's true because that makes them sound like a Sam Allardyce team. That's not really the case. But, but basically the point is they really, really do try and make use of the ball. They're, they're mm. pretty efficient with the ball and they try and do something with it. Um, and it'll be an interesting game for us, right? Because the Omens do look good somewhat. We have a, 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 we've got a very good home record. We've dropped points against two teams at home this season, right? Mm-hmm. Chelsea, who were brilliant and you know palace who who are taking points of a lot of people and um and otherwise we win at home that's what we do we tend to keep clean sheets as well at home um like you say antonio hasn't been playing well and so again how will you okay first and foremost do you think we will win
1: my gut my gut feel tells me a draw um, I think we have the capability to win. We certainly, as we've seen on, on Saturday, we have the talent and the players to win. I think as a team, we we have better players than West Ham. My my biggest concern is, do we have the mentality to win? Because this is a game, like I said, with huge consequences, I think, in terms of how it sets us, us up for the Christmas period and how it sets West Ham up. And um, they'll also be up for it. So, do we have the mentality to say, okay, this is a, an opportunity for us to really, I want to say kill off a rival, but to put a huge dent in their hopes and ambitions. So I think if we win, then we go above them, right? We do. Um, yep. So to just to say like, okay, well, let's have dropped some points they are They're not in a bad run. They're in a bit of a bad run. And let's just like almost hammer home that bad run and just like say, okay, well now we're like, okay, we're going to take control of this you know, race for fourth or whatever. Um, and I, I just don't know if we've got enough to assert ourselves in a situation like that. Because I think back to Old Trafford. Old Trafford was a, another big opportunity to do exactly what we're talking about, which mm-hmm. is, okay, well, there's a an opponent that's probably not in the best form, but also capable of hurting you. And what we need to do is turn up, assert ourselves in the game, and show them that we are capable and that we are the better team. Mm-hmm. But we didn't do that against Man United and I'm, my my big worry is is that going to happen again are we going to you know is antonio going to find form out of the blue again is uh bowen going to start you know continue his excellent run that he's been doing recently um and we don't want to, we don't want to kickstart
0: West Ham's next period of games in the way that we exactly. kickstarted Man United. Man United won three in a row, and after West Ham playoffs, they've got three very, very winnable games. They've got exactly Norwich yeah. at home, Southampton at home, and 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 Watford. I think the game after that. Do you know what I mean? So it's like it, it, it's not. We can't. In my opinion, it's another one of those games where there's a number of reasons why. I don't. It's not. It's not a must-win game. I don't think you, you can't call this game must-win at this point. But but winning has a lot of repercussions. So so does losing. And and in this instance. For us to win, we'd go above them. There is a belief element. There is something that mm. I think you know, Arteta and the squad will will believe that they that they can kind of almost forget a little bit about Everton, forget a little bit about Man United. Say, look, we're back on track. We, we 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 are you know at least temporarily in fourth. I don't I don't know what time Man United play, but you know it's possible that we go temporarily in fourth. I think. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, look, I, I'm completely with you, and and my opinion is that we 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 should be beating them. I, I'd like to see let's uh, no disrespect to West Ham. I always have to check myself with West Ham a bit because, you know, I, I think you do have to respect, you know, what they've been doing this season and what they did last season. Yeah. But, but like you say, I think player for player, we are um, we're, we're better overall, and and we've got a good home record. Again, I'll say that. So, I would really like us to see to, to play the same team again for continuity purposes, if for nothing else. After coming, so you, back wouldn't, you wouldn't bring
1: Aubameyang back in.
0: I wouldn't bring him back in now. Okay. I, th- I, th- I think I think that you know what, like if you if we're playing a one striker system and your striker scores like i think that you need to keep that what if
1: um smith rose fit would you bring him back in
0: that's a really good question so i think to be honest i wouldn't be surprised given that he didn't even come off the bench i wouldn't be surprised they're just using this as a really good opportunity to just give him some extended time like you know without playing and i think they might look at it and think well if saka martinelli and and odegaard are all fit enough to play um then maybe that unit deserves another start together um Mm -hmm. i I i take the argument though that like you know still we're a better team with esr in it than than without um it feels though that if he brings esr in he has to drop one of those three and i don't think any of those three deserve to be dropped at the moment
1: um yeah yeah Yeah. because i mean the logical yeah you can't really drop out a guard i mean you yeah, I guess he'd probably have to drop Martinelli. Which is harsh on the so, boy. Do you know what I mean? because
0: I thought yeah. he played really well on Saturday as well. He's been very patient. He's come in the team yeah. and he's been playing well since he's got on the team. It'd be really harsh.
1: Yeah, it would. It would. Um, what about in the central
0: midfield though, mate?
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, personally, I would like to see Lokonga come back in mm-hmm. uh, alongside Partey. But let's, I mean, we've got like, well, we've got those three midfielders. And I think all of them have their flaws at the moment. Um, there's no like one person, even Partey, you could say, well, should Partey be in the team? Mm-hmm. Um, although I thought he was pretty good in, again in the second half uh, against Southampton. He, um, yeah, I thought, <laughs> I, I mean, I think the first choice is Jacka and Partey. Right. I think that's Mikel Arteta's first choice. I think I would probably give Lukonga another go, but I don't think he'll do that. You don't think Maitland-Niles will get a look in at all? Uh, no, no, no. I think no, because I think the other thing is we've got a lot of cup games coming up potentially. We do. We do. Uh, we've got the League Cup, we've got the the FA Cup game, and then potentially if we beat Sunderland, a two-legged semi-final in January as well. Good point. So that's uh, four four games where we might get to see, and then there'll be rotation. Because um, this intense Premier League schedule, so I do think we'll see a bit of everyone. Yeah, um, but I think on Wednesday, I think it will be Jacker and Partey. I completely agree. Um, I think it's, I, I personally think he's going to go from the same team. Um, and um, I, don't, I think I think Smith Row will probably start. I actually think Martinelli might drop him down to the bench. Yeah, it's interesting. I'd be
0: really disappointed if that happens just, just because I think it sends a bad message to Martinelli. I think that you could argue that maybe he just needs to m- maybe he could turn around and wrote and, and give Saka a rest or something. Maybe he could do that. Mm-hmm. I, I think Martinelli being so patient and then playing so well. Uh, yeah. Um, but Again, it's a meritocracy. Emile Smith Rowe's been, you know, probably arguably our best kind of attacking player of the season. So, look, agree. Let, 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 let's see. Um, you know, it's probably, who knows, maybe one of those situations that Arteta's probably hoping that ESR isn't fully fit. <laughs> you know, mm, yeah. it gives him, a, it gives him um, you know, that. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, look, but okay. So, uh, score prediction very quickly.
1: I will go for a one all draw. Oh, interesting. Okay,
0: and my is also, um, you know, he went for a draw. He's predicted two-two. That's what I I'm going to go for an Arsenal win. Um, I think that we, I think that we're going to keep a clean sheet again. Nice. I think we'll, um, and I think we will win two-nil. Hmm, that'd be awesome if it happens. I think so. I'm going for. I'm being optimistic. Um, again i'm banking on the home record uh at the end of the day like again if we if we draw or if we lose it's statistically an anomaly at home and i know like at the end of the day we're not gonna win every bloody game at home for the rest of the season don't get me wrong um but again that feel good factor for a 1-0 i feel our fans will be really behind the team Mm -hmm. i think you know our home fans have been so so bloody good this season uh and away fans um you know so i uh yeah I'm, I'm I'm optimistic for it I think the boys will be really really up for it so yeah let's let's fingers crossed mate okay cool so um Till next time, we're not exactly sure when we're going to record next. There's a few things up in the air. One thing, I will be physically up in the air tomorrow on a plane, so that's one thing. Um, and are you going to watch the game? Or are you going to be? Yeah, well, able able to watch last the last time this happened, when I tried to watch the game and then I got stuck in an airport queue and and um, I missed the Brentford game, which is a massive blessing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So obviously, I'm not flying on the Wednesday, so I should be able to watch it. So um, as long as it's on the TV somewhere in the resort, I will absolutely be there with bells on. Um, and I'm um, bringing my Arsenal shirt. The shirt that I've packed is the one that you're wearing. Oh,
1: this one. Good yeah. shirt. Yeah, it's a good, good shirt. shirt. I've got lacazette. You haven't? Lacazette. yet um, splashed out on some of the new, uh, new merchandise. No, I haven't. Obviously, I will though. Because
0: I mean, wow, <laughs> you, you have to. I mean, I've, had, I've had non-Arsenal fans message me about that oh, yeah? uh, stuff. You know, I've got non-Arsenal fans who are messaging me, to t- talking about that merch. I mean, I reckon I've,
1: I've probably sent more merchandise this, this year than I have on holidays it's <laughs> just uh, it's just really bad um but mainly because i have I've hardly gone on holiday this year but um yeah there's just a lot oh yeah there's a lot of merchandise. mainly because there's a lot of merchandise but it's also very expensive it's very expensive <laughs> it's very good yeah it's really they, good they have they us they have nailing us it.
0: they're nailing yeah. they're absolutely nailing they're nailing it with with the designs they're nailing it with 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 everything they're nailing it with the art direction of the adverts the music of their adverts i mean yeah you know i still i still think that you know that the advert that i think was it for this kit the kit that i'm wearing right now um you know that was a really cool advert was that the ian wright one yeah. no that wasn't that one where it kind of kind of went in and out to kind of a lot of um uh kind of graphics and a lot of uh uh you Uh, know kind of animation yeah yeah and exactly exactly Um, yeah yeah and this one yeah this yeah this is an an Ian right one um yeah i mean they just nail it they're so good um so yeah i probably will good christmas christmas time you know might try and buy something for myself um but uh yeah okay cool enough about that like okay we can wrap up on about an hour so look thanks mate um good chat like obviously Thank you for everyone for, for listening. Please subscribe if you enjoyed yes, this. Please subscribe. Please rate please. us. Do, do all that. Because we feel sad sometimes, you know, when we don't see do we? this. Yeah. Yeah just play along we feel oh, okay. we feel sad when we see the subscriber numbers not not going up you know it makes us feel bad and you know some of the, the auto downloads on on you know the pod platforms they really help as well so just do it put, put it on auto download and if you want just delete it afterwards but you know just and rate us
1: give us five stars on itunes and spotify if you can do that i don't even know if you can but exactly write, write a review about how great we are do, do that. all that stuff, please. Do that. Don't, yeah.
0: don't make us compromise on our beliefs. We don't want to become some random sensationalist um Arsenal pod who you know video themselves for 90 minutes during games. We don't want to we don't want to do that. Um but you know give us a little bit of validation and love. Make our please. Christmas. Indeed. All right. And maybe then one day, you know, Maisel will 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 turn up and, and Nero will will turn up and you know we can have a we can have four of us again. One can dream. One can dream. All right, guys. Thanks for <laughs> joining. Thanks for joining. Uh, enjoy the continuation of your festive season, everyone. Um, and we will talk to you soon. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye.